We are nearing the end of our journey through the Gospel according to Mark where the final act of Jesus' life comes into fuller and clearer view as He faces His final task of giving Himself. This morning we're going to be reading from Mark 14. We'll be looking at verses 53. Uh, to the end of the chapter there at 72. Mark 14, beginning at verse 53. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet, even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witness do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him, and to cover his face and strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began to say, To the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I don't know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, You will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. May God grant us wisdom again this morning as we meditate on these words. Uh, If you were to go before the court and have to testify there, at least back in the day, I don't know that they always do it every time anymore just because of its uh, political incorrectness. 
But they would, they would bring you as a, as a witness in a court trial and they would tell you to put your hand on the Bible and say these words. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And you would have to swear, I will. There's something about being on trial that um, brings out, it's meant to bring out the truth. And that's why we would have that in our courts um, as the standard. Are you, are you sitting here promising to tell me the truth? All of it. And nothing but that. So help you God. Jesus is in this same kind of circumstance now. He is on trial before the religious courts at this time. The Romans will have their chance at him in a moment. But for right now, the religious leaders that he identifies with as one of them, they are the ones that have him on trial now. And it's an interesting trial. It's in many ways a sham trial. There's really no good intentions here from the Jewish leaders other than they want to put him to death. And they'll try anything. And they do that. They, they have been trying to trip Jesus up all along so that they could get to this point now where they put him on trial and judge him and bring him to a place where it's evident that he's guilty of something. They've been looking all along throughout his time they would, they would meet him when there was the, the paralytic man. And he says to the paralytic man, your sins are forgiven. And they thought that was just utter blasphemy. Because who could do that except for God? The first encounter that we see where the Pharisees and the religious leaders of, of Jesus day and circumstances there, they come against him. But he, he gives evidence of his authority. If you're wanting to know who can forgive sins but God alone, I'll do it in his power. So he says to the man, get up and walk. And proves that he has that authority. They would accuse his disciples, which are under his care. So he's He's liable for what his disciples do. Why are your disciples going through the fields and picking grain on the Sabbath day? It's wrong to work on the Sabbath. You can't do that. And Jesus gives an answer. They're following along not to learn from him as others would. Those close disciples that are looking for reason to believe in him, they're not following for that reason. They're following Jesus so they can find evidence against him so they can bring him to a trial and hold him accountable. Picking grain on the Sabbath wasn't enough. They didn't have a case. They wanted to see if, if he would heal on the Sabbath. Imagine being so desperate for ways to uh, trip up the one who you're so jealous of that threatens your existence that you have to decide whether or not it's right to do good on the Sabbath. 
And this is what they come with. So the man with the, with the withered hand is there and he stretches it out and he's healed. But they couldn't do anything. They still didn't have a case. They, they got to a place where they accused him of being demon-possessed himself. This one surely would, would do it. And Jesus refuted them. You can't, you can't cast out members of your own family. It doesn't work that way. You can't have a kingdom that causes itself to crumble. What sense does that make? And though they tried to align him with Beelzebul, they couldn't. They got to this place where the disciples are sitting down to, to eat a meal at the table and they noticed that they didn't wash their hands. And Jesus was culpable of this. These are His disciples once again. And they don't wash their hands before they eat. You know how many farmers and mechanics and construction workers wouldn't make it into heaven if you always had to eat with clean hands? They were trying everything that they could. They couldn't do it. And they said, why don't you uphold the tradition of our people? This is the way we do things and you don't. Constantly, one thing after another, they're grasping at straws. They can't even get two people to testify against Him. They're looking for ways to put Him on trial and have a good case against Him, except they can't even find two, and you need two. It's on the testimony of two or three witnesses that somebody would stand before you. And they can't even find it. Even when they try to make things up, it didn't work. They even took His own words and tried to twist that. John records those words about destroying the temple, he said. I'll destroy the temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And so they tried to use those words, except I don't think anybody understood what that meant. They wanted to use Jesus' words against him, except they couldn't even agree about what, that's, what he said or, or what that meant or what they were actually accusing him of. So even that didn't work. And so you have the Jewish leaders here struggling to make a good testimony against him. And they can't get it. They can't do it. At the other end of our story, you have good old Peter. Remember Peter and the way he interacts with Jesus and people around him. Jesus, or Peter, Peter was the one that would, uh, at one point, give testimony of of who Jesus is. And Jesus asked them, what are, you, what are the crowds? Who, who, who do they say I am? There were different ideas about who he could be. But how about you? What's your testimony about me? Who do you say I am? Jesus, Peter would say, Jesus, you are the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. It wasn't just something that he conjured up in his mind. This was something that God the Father laid upon his heart to give him that knowledge of who Jesus is. And he gave a good testimony. Peter's on the right track. 
except for somebody has flipped the switch in the track just a, just down the road a bit, just down the rails a little bit, and it seems like the very next thing he does is rebukes his Lord. As Jesus is trying to explain how he's about to suffer and die and be crucified and rise again, Peter, under the uh, tutelage of his Master, his Lord says, No, Lord! It's almost an oxymoron. Uh, If he's your Lord and your Master, no is never what you say to him. But that's what Peter does. This will never happen to you. As if maybe Jesus got it wrong. And he wasn't going to hear it. Peter's also uh, with James and John as they're invited up onto the mountain. You know the mountain where um, Moses and Elijah are there with Jesus up on the mountain and Jesus is transfigured before them. He, he turns brilliant in his appearance and they see him as if they've never seen him before. And, and Peter's there and he, he, he's not sure yet what this all means. He's just been told that, he's, that Jesus is going to suffer and die. But, but Peter says, well, how about, how about we put up a couple tents here? Let's just stay here. We don't need to keep going down that road that you're talking about. Let's just stay here. This is such a nice place. He was just fumbling for words, it says. They didn't know what to say. So Peter just babbles on senselessly and doesn't know what he's saying. He still doesn't grasp what Jesus has uh, planned for not only himself in, in Jesus' path, but for them as well. We, of course, remember from what we just learned last time of how uh, Peter would emphatically give testimony that even if everyone else would fall away, I never will. Even if I have to die with you, I would never deny you. It's now Peter that goes back on his word. So if, if Peter was there with his hand on the Bible, I promise to give the, whole, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Maybe they would have then found him in contempt of court because he went back on his word. It was the servant girl that comes to him and says, you were with him, weren't you? She just knew that he was somehow associated with Jesus. I think I saw you with him, didn't I? I don't even know what you're saying, lady. Couldn't even give testimony that he was actually just with him someplace. That's all she said. You, you, you were with him, weren't you? Well, what are you talking about? She'd come back again. Saying to everybody else, this man is one of them. He belongs to this man and his group. Denying that as well. 
I wasn't with him. I'm not one of them. And Peter, who, who, you, you wonder what he's thinking? I don't know the time span between him saying, even if I have to die with you. I don't know what you're talking about. How, where is he in his mind? How does he process where he's at? Finally, the rest of the people with uh, Peter there in the courtyard, all sitting by the fire, uh, the rest of them begin to say, uh, you are one of them. You're, you're a Galilean. You, you don't just know the man. You weren't just with the man. You're not just one of them. You, you come from where he comes from. At this point, just as emphatically as Peter would give a testimony to his Lord that he would never deny him, does it for the third time just as strongly. And he begins to come under oath. He swears. I always wondered if he was cursing. All those words you're not supposed to say. I don't think he was. He was putting himself under oath. Is as it were, he puts his hand on the Bible. I don't know the man. And he began to invoke a curse. And if what I'm saying isn't true, then may God. And just as surely as he testified to his Lord of his faithfulness to him, just as securely he denies it right away. Three times. Three times a false testimony. The Pharisees and the religious leaders on the one end of the story and, and, and Peter giving testimony on the other end of the story. What about this, uh, this criminal now? Uh, one counted as a criminal, we hear from Scripture. The man on trial, Jesus. What about him? Of all the things that the the Pharisees and the religious leaders were trying to trap him in. Which one did Jesus argue against to try to save himself? Not one. All the different things that they might try to bring against him. He remained silent. Didn't say a word. Also fulfilling what had been testified about him. Like a lamb before his shears is silent, so will he be. And he fulfills that testimony. He's already shown the Pharisees all along the way where their arguments have failed. Even, even when there's this uh, great uh, description of, of the, the law at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you've heard it said, but I say to you, and he would challenge their way of thinking about the law. And every time they would try to bring the law against Jesus, or the additions to the law sometimes, he would refute them to where they couldn't make a case. He didn't need to answer charges now. He's already refuted those in the past. I don't need to speak twice about that. And, and those things you can't charge me on anyway. It wouldn't work. It didn't stick. Even when... They brought the testimony against him about what he said about destroying the temple. 
He was silent. He wasn't going to end up in some sort of debate about uh, what that means or how he's going to do it and get into this endless place of getting nowhere. What, what does he answer, though? The high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Some of the other places would say the Son of the Blessed One. Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we should expect? The one that comes from God? The Son of the Blessed One? Aligning himself directly with God? Being in that place of God? They knew what they were saying. They knew what they were asking him. This is when Jesus speaks up. I am, he said. Why speak now? Why not just continue to remain silent? Finally, Jesus has something that he can give a secure testimony to that he's willing to die for. Is he going to die over not washing your hands or picking grain? For doing good on the Sabbath? For healing people? For forgiving sins? Is he, is he going to let those things where they can argue endlessly day after day about who can do that? But he's going to give testimony about who he is. Other places where they come after him and they, they talk about his father, he will also speak up in, in acknowledgement of his father. Jesus would give a clear testimony about exactly who he is. All along he had been kind of cloaking, if you will, um, his own identity. When the demons would speak and say the same words, we know who you are. We know exactly who you are. And they would try to go around not smearing his name, but causing a stir. And Jesus knew that it wasn't time yet. It's time now. It's time for him to be known for exactly who he is. And he's going to give a clear testimony. Even when they take one last attempt at trying to um, make a mockery of him. They cover his face. They, 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 they put something over his eyes so he can't see. And they begin to hit him, slapping him or punching him or whatever it may be to disgrace him. And then to say, tell us now. Who hit you? Because the true prophet would know. He would be able to tell you things without seeing or hearing. And so, if you are who you say you are, tell us who hit you. He wasn't going to oblige them there either. Only on who he truly is. If you ask him, are you the Christ? He will always tell you, I am. Jesus has been already giving testimony about not just himself, but about those around him. Jesus would say, one of you will betray me. And Judas did. One of you, or all of you, will fall away on account of me. And they all did. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And it came to pass. He would 
tell Peter that he would deny him three times. He would give that sure testimony even to Peter and it would come to pass. But do you remember also what Jesus testified to his disciples as he was coming to this place where he knows what they're going to do? All of you are going to fall away from me, but what was the but? I'm going before you to Galilee. You're going to fall away, but you're not going to leave yet. I'm not leaving you either. I still have a plan for you, and I'm going to meet you in Galilee. And I'll reveal what the plan is. That part still remains. He also had words for Peter. Uh, Mark doesn't record them. Luke does. In Luke 22, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. What did Jesus reassure Peter about? What was his testimony about what he would do for Peter? But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Those two things are so reassuring for me. All of you will fall away. One of you will deny me emphatically. but I have plans to restore you. What a wonderful reassurance in our time as well to know that there may be times when, or maybe there have been times already, when we've had opportunity to give testimony about who Jesus is and we have fallen away, left Him or denied Him. Are we done? Is that it? Have we sealed our fate as it were? Not even close. If your intention is to follow Jesus, He will see you through that. If your heart wants to, if that is your desire, He has plans for you. Judas was on a different uh, playing field altogether. He didn't have that intention. He had no desire. The only desire he had was for himself. And what he got, he was left with. Just himself and no one else. The rest of the disciples would want to, truly want to follow Jesus, but find themselves incapable at times. But if that was their desire, where their spirit was willing and their flesh was weak, that's an okay place to be. When the spirit isn't willing... The flesh has no capability either. That's a bad place to be. But Jesus says, I, as they, they were in the garden, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And so if you are in that place of you want to follow Jesus, you want to be like Jesus, you want to give testimony about Jesus, you are going to find, like I've found, that my flesh is weak at times. And sometimes I shrink back. And my testimony isn't what it should be. 
Maybe at different points in our lives, we just kind of leave the scene altogether and we flee. We don't give any testimony. We just remain silent. We don't want to associate with Him. We don't want to face the things that might come if we do associate with Him. But even in those times when our flesh is weak, when our heart is focused on Jesus, and that is our goal to do that, He will continue to meet us in our time of need and restore us. And He has a plan for us as well. He's going to go ahead of us. He's he's already gone ahead of us. That's the wonderful part of where we're at in our existence compared to the disciples. He's already ahead of us. We already have more history of His goodness and His faithfulness. And we can trust Him that much more. And we too, uh, like they would receive, have the, the Spirit of God living within us so that it doesn't just depend on our own spirit, but the Spirit that... Um, empowers us to live like Jesus lived. You may face the same kind of trials in this world that Jesus did. What do you do? If they're, if they're coming to accuse you of something, and people will do that, people around us in this world will still try to uh, smear our names as the Pharisees would try to do. There will be those that will that will try to paint us in a bad light because of uh, something that happened within the church or maybe what you did. Maybe you're guilty of something. And they'll try to use that against you. You know, I, I've, I could show you the laundry list of things I've done. If you'd ever ask, I'd show you the laundry list. It doesn't matter. I know you got one. My laundry list of dirty deeds uh, doesn't look like that anymore. As I commit those sins, every one of them has an open box behind it. And then just as soon as I commit that, as as a follower of Christ, there's this check mark. As soon as I get done with that, there's already a mark there. No, paid for. And so somebody might try to accuse you of something that you've done and make you think you are unworthy to serve, unworthy to be a servant, not capable of being a true follower of Jesus because look at your list. I may just have to point out at that point that there's a paid for on every one of them. I don't have to refute those things that are already covered. I don't have to give a testimony about why I shouldn't be held accountable for those things or try to give a defense because Jesus has already done that for me. In His trial, He made sure that when His time was done, my sins would be covered too. And no one can accuse me. And no one can accuse you. And that's the testimony that you can give people around us. And it is not a conflicting testimony at all. Yes, I have sinned, but they're all covered. Yes, I have denied Him, but He has restored me. But I would never leave Him. And He would never leave me. And that's my testimony to you today. Father, it is difficult at times 
to give the right answer. And sometimes we feel as if when we don't give the answer that we should, uh, we've, we've lost it. Maybe we want to testify about how much you love us and care for us. Maybe somebody wants to trip us up as well. They intend only to smear our name. They have no real interest in learning about you or your son. But we're in this place where um, our testimony is, is one that, even when we shrink back, it is still a, a testimony that needs to be given. And so thank you for uh, even the example in your son who in all these uh, bad accusations would come against him, he just remained silent and spoke the truth. Just gave the truth. Help us to do that. Help us to always just be truthful about our own existence and why we need you. Why we have always needed you. And let others recognize their own need then so that they would come to the one that would forgive all of their sins as well. So Father, grant us uh, the courage and the strength that we need. Um, The longer we go on our journey, give us greater courage, greater strength, uh, uh, a stronger dose of your Spirit within us so that we would testify truthfully, boldly, powerfully about the Savior who has set us free. It is in his name we pray. Amen.